Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. My Bible's opened up to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians, the second chapter. Going to read a couple of verses there in just a moment that will really serve as the basis for everything that we're going to read and talk about and think about for the next few minutes. So let's get those Bibles cranking to Colossians chapter 2. So we get ready to study together in the Word of God. As you're turning to Colossians chapter 2, let me join in the welcome from earlier. It is great to see everybody this morning. We have a great number in attendance. Got a lot of folks who are visiting with us. We really are appreciative of the fact that you've come to be with us, that you've uh, set aside this time to uh, come together with people of like precious faith, to be involved in spiritual activities as we worship God in spirit and in truth. And you're an encouragement to us if you're visiting. And even if you're just a member here, you're an encouragement for being here today as we've come together to bring our worship unto the Lord. For the eleventh time this year, we are returning to our preaching theme for 2019 on growing and increasing, as we are just considering various aspects of spiritual growth. And in particular, we're thinking about some specific areas that we want to grow and we want to increase and we want to excel in. And this morning, we want to talk about that in a very focused and specific and I think a very timely fashion. And I want to draw all of that out of Colossians, the second chapter. Read with me, if you will, in verses 6 and 7, because there the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what direction this month's lesson on growth is going to be going. Because after reading that verse, and after thinking about the fact that later this week our country is going to pause for a national day of thanksgiving, you can probably guess Josh is going to be talking about growing in thanksgiving. Or if you're a fan of alliteration, growing in gratitude. And you know what? That is exactly what I want to talk about today. I do want to talk about increasing in our gratitude and in our thanksgiving. Now, right about now, what some of you are thinking is, oh, good, a sleeper lesson. I've been waiting for one of these that I can just kind of sleep through, and that's because, well, I'm I'm already a grateful person. I've got that gratitude thing down. I'm a thankful person. Gratitude's not an issue for me. Wake me up when the invitation song is being sung. Well, wait just a second. I didn't ask this morning whether you are a thankful person. Paul, even in our opening text, doesn't even teach that Christians are to be thankful people. Colossians chapter 2 verse 7, I will remind you, says that Christians are to be abounding in thanksgiving. In fact, I really appreciate the New American Standard and how it renders that passage. It says that we are to be overflowing with gratitude. This morning, I'm not asking if you are ever grateful. No, I'm asking, are you overflowing with gratitude? Are you just so absolutely filled up to the top of the glass that your gratitude is bubbling over and it is pouring out on everything and everyone? Now that, that's a challenge. That is not something that I believe comes naturally to us. That is an attitude and that is a mindset that is developed. That is something that we have to grow into. That is a level of gratitude that is so strong that just like the water being poured into the glass, it will end up pushing 
everything else out. All of the air bubbles get pushed out. All of the other unwanted elements get pushed out because our gratitude is overflowing. Somebody maybe asked, well, what do you mean the, the air bubbles? What are you talking about with those unwanted elements? Well, I would be talking about things like worry. Do you have worry in your life? That would be things like jealousy. Do you ever have jealousy? That would be things like pessimism and discouragement and discontentment. Do you ever have those things in your life? A Christian who is overflowing with gratitude doesn't have any room for all of those things. Gratitude in many ways kind of serves like Drano. It just flushes all of that stuff out that doesn't need to be in there. I'm reminded of the list of things that Paul gives over in the third chapter of Colossians. Since you're still here in Colossians, just maybe look across the page. In Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 5, Paul mentions a bunch of things that need to, well, just a bunch of things that need to be got out. He mentions things like immorality, impurity, covetousness. You drop down to verse 8, anger, wrath, malice, slander. Verse 9, lying. All of this sinful, rotten, negative junk, it needs to be removed from the glass because, verse 10, because we are being renewed after the image of our Creator. And so the question is, how do I get all of those defiling elements out of me? How do I then replace them with the essential elements, the things that Paul describes in verses 12, 13, and 14, like compassion and kindness and humility and patience and forgiveness and love? Well, would you take a gander at the last three verses there? Look at verses 15, 16, and 17. Because there is a singular idea that gets utilized in all three of those verses. See if you can spot it with me. Chapter 3, verse 15. Paul says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 17, and even whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Gratitude is just all over this epistle. And I'm going to suggest to you that in many ways, it is one of the secret ingredients to spiritual maturity. When we are abounding in thanksgiving. Have you ever been around somebody who just exudes that quality and that characteristic in their life? That someone just, in their demeanor on a day-by-day basis, in their language, in the words that they speak, in just how they conduct and live their lives while they're here on this earth. And they just are abounding, overflowing with thankfulness. That's such a refreshing thing when you get to be around somebody who has that. Their cup is overflowing and, well, you're drinking from it. You're just a beneficiary of their overflowing gratitude. And that is exactly what God calls on us to be. It's not enough this morning to just be somewhat thankful. It's not enough to even have two-thirds of the glass full of thanksgiving. No, God says, I want you to be overflowing with gratitude. And this morning, I want to talk for just a few minutes about what that looks like. I want to share with you what I believe are some very fundamental ideas about gratitude, and yet, in many ways, very challenging ideas about gratitude that will help us to abound and excel in thanksgiving. In fact, what I'm going to ask you to do this morning is I'm going to ask you to do some testing on yourself. I'm going to ask you to rank, 
to gauge your own level of gratitude based on the various descriptions that the Bible is going to reveal to us this morning. There's three tiers we're going to look at. Am I level one? Am I level two? Or am I level three? Let's find out. And let's start, let's start right at the bottom. What do you think level one gratitude looks like? Well, I'll go ahead and tell you, practically everybody has level one gratitude. And I mean everybody, not just Christians, but everybody pretty much in the whole world has level one gratitude down pat. You can observe it in practically any person. Level one gratitude is basically me being grateful for the things that I have. Is anybody here not grateful for the things that they have? Everybody is grateful for the things that they have. You get up in the morning and you are thankful that you're alive. You are thankful for your family. You are thankful for the house that you live in. You're thankful for the clothes that you put on your body. You're thankful for the food that you put into your mouth. Those are all good things. We're thankful for a many number of things. And I'm not suggesting this morning that you should not be thankful for those things. But you know what? In many ways, being thankful for stuff, that's really kind of a baseline beginning. That's just maybe an inch or two of water in the cup. Anybody can put an inch or two of water in the cup. There's even atheists who this very morning, they woke up and they're thankful. They're thankful that they're alive. They're thankful for their health. They're thankful that they have the things that they do. There are people like that today. And so while that is a good start to just be thankful, that alone is not enough. And here's how you know that it's not enough. Number one, when you talk about being thankful for things, but very rarely mention to whom, You are thankful? That's how you know you're all the way down here at level one gratitude. Oh, I'm thankful to be alive. I'm thankful that I got good results, good test results from the doctor. I'm thankful that I got this job. I'm thankful that I've got all this stuff. But you never mention to whom the thanksgiving is due or what role he has played in bringing those things about. That, that's level one gratitude. For most people, I would suspect, gratitude... It's something that you should have. never met anybody who says that you should just be an ingrate. Everybody says, yeah, gratitude, it's a good thing. You need to be a grateful person. And in fact, it's even something that you should express. You should say it out loud with your mouth. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. But not many people are quick to ascribe that thanksgiving and attribute it to God. Instead, they're just kind of thankful in this abstract sort of way. It's just kind of an abstract sense of gratitude. It's gratitude. It's just kind of like an emotion. It's a state of mind. It's a feeling. And i got to tell you, that just kind of seems like snake oil to me. That just seems like something that's fake, that you're rubbing over top of everything. Where you're able to go around, yeah, I can count all my pluses. Here's all the good things in my life. And, oh man, Monday's going to be a good day because, well, I've got these ten things that I'm thankful for. Listen, if we are not attributing that thanksgiving to the giver of those things, then we're setting ourselves up for an epic fail. Look in Romans chapter 1. I'll show you that. In Romans chapter 1, do you remember those early Gentile people and how God gave them over to every kind of depravity? We often reference Romans chapter 1 and we talk about the the terrible sin of homosexuality and God gave them over to those terrible passions. Okay, that's a terrible thing. 
But look at what was underlying that. In Romans chapter 1, back up to verse 21. In Romans 1 verse 21, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. The mistake that those people made is in many ways the same mistake that level 1 people are making even today. It is a failure to recognize that gratitude must have an object. And guess what? His name is God. Now the other identifying mark of level 1 gratitude is that that thankfulness, not only is it not really directed toward the one that it needs to be directed to, but furthermore, that gratitude is usually dominated by physical things. If I were to ask you this morning to get out a sheet of paper and just start writing down the the top ten things that you are thankful for each day, I imagine you probably wouldn't have very much trouble at all coming up with ten things on that list. All of us are extremely blessed in so many ways. You could rattle off ten things without without a hitch. But can I ask you, how many of those ten things would be earth-based? How many of those things would be physically driven? How many of those things are the kinds of things that if the devil wanted to, he could take them away in an instant? How many of those things are susceptible to physical processes? They are susceptible to time and chance. Look at Matthew 6 with me. In Matthew chapter 6, I want to reiterate once again that I am not suggesting that you should not be thankful for physical things, that you shouldn't be thankful for your family or for your health or for your house or for all of those things. But have you ever stopped to evaluate whether the blessings that you talk about most are more physical in nature? And is it possible that maybe they would fall into the category that Jesus describes here in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19, when He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus says that there is a danger whenever the things that really drive me are primarily physical in nature. Because what that does is that reveals that my heart, my heart is actually set upon the wrong things. When my thank you list seems to be limited to the things that I can see with my two eyes, then gratitude is never going to be to the level that God wants it to be. In fact, if you're still here in Matthew chapter 6, if you just jump back up a little bit in the passage, in verses 9 through 15, Jesus gives there the model prayer. Have you ever noticed that very little of that prayer has to do with physical things? There's just a tiny little passing reference there to give us this day our daily bread. The rest of that prayer is all about spiritual things. Forgiveness, the will of God, the kingdom of God, deliverance from temptation. Level 1 gratitude doesn't give those things nearly enough consideration. Why? Because they're so fixated on the physical. In fact, the person whose gratitude is based primarily on things that they have, physical things that they have, they're actually going to find it difficult to be grateful for those things that they don't have. That's a really hard thing for level 1 people to deal with. I mean, come on, who would be thankful that they didn't land that particular job? Who would be thankful that they did not immediately recover from their sickness? 
Who would be thankful that it didn't all work out according to plan the way that I had mapped it out in my mind? You see, the level one person, all they know how to do is go through and count all the pluses. They don't understand things like the providence of God wherein we can be grateful even for the minuses. That we can be grateful for the hard times. You remember last month's lesson in this series? We talked about the blessing of trials and how trials help us to grow. The level one person doesn't understand that. They doesn't understand how, you know what, sometimes even when things don't work out, it actually can work out. God can actually make that work to our benefit to develop us and bring us on to spiritual maturity. I think specifically about the Apostle Paul. Time and time again, Paul did not have the things that I am sure that he wanted. Think about it. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he wanted that thorn in the flesh removed. He was denied. In Acts chapter 16, Paul wanted to go to Asia and to preach the gospel. Once again, he was denied. And yet despite all of the various things that Paul did not get in his life, Paul would find reason time and time and time again to be thankful. And that is exactly why in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul would write this amazing statement, short and sweet, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and in verse 18. Paul says there, give thanks in all circumstances. Even in those things where God says no, I can be grateful. Why? Because I know if nothing else, I know that His will is being done. I don't have to have a tangible thing in front of my face in order to be thankful. And unfortunately, that's something that the level one people never quite fully grasp. Now right about now, some of you are thinking, well, okay, Josh, uh, that's all good. And uh, I'm pretty sure I'm doing better than that. I'm pretty sure I've graduated beyond level one elementary baseline sorts of gratitude. Maybe I could do a little bit better with shifting the focus off of so many things, thinking about physical things and think a little bit more about my spiritual blessings. And we all could probably do a little bit better than that. But you know what? At the end of the day, I know where those things come from and I make sure that, that I speak of Him and I do give Him thanks. And that's good. Good for you. Thumbs up on that. But can I ask you this? When you think about your gratitude for the things that God gives, are you thankful for the thing? Or are you thankful for the one who provided the thing? There's a difference there. There's a huge difference there. There's a very distinct difference in those two things. I'm not merely thankful for the house that I live in. I am thankful for the God who saw fit to give me that house to live in. That is a vital step towards learning about level two gratitude. And that is that level two gratitude, it is always channeled to the Father. And this right here is where we start to begin to separate ourselves from the rest of the world. Because level two is where we are not just thankful for for any old thing without connecting it always to the power of God in our lives. That we do not talk about any of the gifts without also talking about the giver of those gifts. I'll show you that in the Bible. Look in 1 Timothy chapter 4. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, here's a passage that in the first three verses uh, makes mention of some things that we should certainly be thankful for. makes mention of things like marriage. Thankful for marriage. Thankful for the institution of marriage. Thankful for my spouse. Thankful for the relationship that we share together. This passage also talks about, talks about food. I'm thankful for food. 
I'm guessing a lot of us this week are going to be very thankful for the food that is put in front of us. And so Paul talks here about some things that all of us can relate to. We all understand we need to be thankful for these things. Look at what he says in 1 Timothy 4 verse 4. He says, for everything created by God, it is good. And nothing to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Notice this, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Do not sell short, verse number 5. You can say, oh, I'm grateful for my food. I'm grateful for my marriage. Okay. But the way that you sanctify those blessings, Paul says is by having some interaction with the Lord. I'm going to have some conversation with God. I'm going to let God speak to me about those things through His Word. What's God's Word say about marriage? What's God's Word say about food and the blessing that that is? And then furthermore, not only do I think about what the Word of God says about that, but I'm going to do some talking to God about that by prayer as well, where I'm speaking to the Lord about those things. Do you see here that the marriage and the food really are just vehicles to get us to engage with the Lord. And really, you can plug anything in that line there. Whatever our blessings may be, it all needs to cycle right back to the one who does the blessing. Level one people, they're not thinking in the direction of God. But level two people, we're always just looking for ways to point the arrow right back to the giver. Look at 2 Corinthians 9. In 2 Corinthians 9... Here's a great passage. It speaks about the goodness of, of God's people doing good things. It talks here about charitable people. And it talks here about money that was given in order to help needy brethren. But I want you to notice that this passage is really not even about the people. And it's not even really about the money. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, as Paul discusses the benevolent work that was being done for the saints in Jerusalem, notice where Paul puts the emphasis in this. In 2 Corinthians 9, look in verse 10. Paul says that he who supplies seed to the sower. Who's the he? It's God. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Now, if you want to be technical, what technically was happening here is that there were people who took money out of their pockets... And they gave it to help those brethren who were in need. But the way that Paul wanted to frame the discussion and the way that Paul wanted to talk about that was not really about the people or about the money, but how God was the one who provided through those people. And while I certainly, if I was the recipient of of those gracious gifts that were given by those brethren, I I would feel indebted to those brethren in some way. I'd feel the need to, at the very least, send them a thank you card or something. What Paul says here is that mainly what needs to happen is that there is an overflowing of thanksgivings to God. That look at what God has done. Look at how God has provided for His people. God has done that by providing the church. He's provided the relationships that we have within the church and the kindness and the goodness of people in their hearts. God's the one who's responsible for that. You see, when you're working everything through that matrix... And you're pointing it back, you're attributing it back to the goodness of God. 
you are well on your way to some level two gratitude. In fact, right about now, your glass ought to be about halfway full. Can I sharpen that just a little bit though? Recognizing God as being the source of all of our blessings, that's really good and that's really fundamental. But I will tell you that in the New Testament, the refrain of thanksgiving, the refrain of gratitude that is sounded over and over and over again, dozens of times in the New Testament, almost always, I mean we're talking like probably more than 90% of the time, it is almost always tied to the work of Jesus Christ. Let's go back to that top ten list. If you were to sit down and write out your top ten list of the things that you are most thankful for, Let's be honest. Knee-jerk reaction, I think for many people, the majority of those things that are listed on there for Christians will be things that are made possible by our faith in Jesus the Christ. That, that I have these things as a result of my relationship with God's Son. Now, right here what I could do is I could have us bounce around and we would look at just all kinds of different New Testament passages that say, thanks be to God through Christ for fill in the blank. There's a zillion of those passages. But if we did that, we'd be here all morning. Instead, can I bring you back to Colossians 2 where we started? In Colossians 2, here's a great place that just provides a good summary of what God did through Jesus. We read verses 6 and 7 at the outset that talks to us about overflowing with gratitude, but, but why are we overflowing with gratitude? What exactly is the reason... That Christians should have just this endless stream of thanksgiving. Can I read the full context of the passage? Can I read the verses before and the verses after? Start in verse 1. Colossians 2 verse 1. Paul says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those that lay out of sea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ." Himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Verse 6, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Verse 8 now, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. I'll go and tell you, I don't see any daily bread mentioned in there. I don't see my car mentioned in there. I don't even see my physical family mentioned in there. And I will say for the third time once again, that it is okay to be thankful for that stuff. You should be thankful for that stuff. But don't miss the message of the gospel. This stuff, 
The kind of things that Paul describes in this passage is the treasure that cannot be corrupted. It's the treasure that moth and rust, it, it can't affect at all. This is the treasure that Satan cannot snatch away. This is the treasure whose value cannot be truly quantified. People who enjoy the numerous spiritual blessings that come through Christ Jesus, forgiveness, peace, joy, hope, the list goes on. If you're one of those people, then you know how rich you really are. And so our hearts and our lips, they ought to express that. Because while some of God's gifts are given to us and they are only temporal... We recognize that the gifts that come through Christ Jesus, these are eternal. These are everlasting. Level two people are looking for every opportunity to extol and to call attention to those blessings, and even more so to call attention to the one who makes those blessings possible. Now, you might be thinking here, okay, Josh, that's good stuff, and the truth is there's nothing really surprising there. I would suspect that most of us, I would like to hope, that most of us are pretty solid with that level two gratitude. And so, what else is left? I mean, if we're focusing on the Lord, and we're prioritizing our spiritual blessings even over those physical blessings, and if we are making an effort to express and to tell our thanksgivings to Him, then what exactly more needs to be done? Well, let me give you this dictionary definition of gratitude and see if you can pick it up. Gratitude is thanksgiving and appreciation and a readiness to show and return kindness. Let me read that again. It's thanksgiving and appreciation and a readiness to show and return kindness. Gratitude involves an actual showing of our appreciation. It involves making a return to the one that we are grateful to. Which begs the question this morning, what does your gratitude compel you to do for God? Do you know how many people in the world will freely and quickly, they will acknowledge their gratitude for God? Thank you, Lord. You see those people all the time who like... You know, every three minutes, something out of their mouth. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. And yet, despite saying all the right things, they will not obey God. There are people sitting at home this very morning, and I'm sure they are thankful to God for all kinds of various things. But they are not showing their appreciation to God. Their words say the right things, but their actions are saying something different. And so please understand this morning, I'm not asking if you're thankful. Everybody's level one. That's not hard at all. And I'm not even asking if you are thankful to God. Level two gratitude. Honestly, that's not even really hard either. What I'm asking is, is is your gratitude for God, is it so full? Is it so complete? Has it overtaken your thinking so entirely? that you find yourself asking on a pretty regular basis, what can I do for God? I am so thankful to God. What can I do for Him? How can I show Him how I feel inside? How can I, in a tangible way, demonstrate my appreciation for Him and for all that He's done? 
I, I know He's God. I know He doesn't need anything from me. But how can I return to Him some kindness? There's a lot of people who can sit down and they can put together a long list of all the things that they're thankful for. But if I ask you to sit down and to tell me all of the things that you have done for God purely out of a sense of gratitude and thanksgiving to Him, could you reel off that list as quickly as you could your thankful list? What I'm asking is, are you rendering acceptable service unto God? That's Hebrews chapter 12. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Because this is exactly what the Hebrew writer says that our gratitude must propel and lead us to do. In Hebrews chapter 12, and once again, I am partial to how the New American Standard renders this verse, and I'm going to quote it from the New American Standard. In Hebrews chapter 12, this is verse 28, where the writer says this. He says, Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude, by which we may offer to God acceptable service with reverence and awe. I want you to notice that the Hebrew writer does not say, let us feel gratitude. That's not what he says. Nor does he say, let let us say it with our mouths that we have gratitude. That's important. We should do that. But what the Hebrew writer says is he says, we need to take that to the next level. He says, let us show gratitude. True gratitude compels us to offer something to God out of reverence for His power, out of awe of His majesty and His greatness. Some translations used there in verse 28 uses the word worship, offer acceptable worship. And certainly, that would be one application of this idea. Think about it this evening. We have plans. It's on the sign out there. It was announced a little bit earlier. That we're going to meet together at 6 o'clock this evening. Well, if I am so thankful to God for His blessings and for all that He's done for me, and if I'm a member of this local congregation, I'm going to be back at 6 o'clock tonight. It's singing night especially. That's a special opportunity to give voice to our thanksgiving to God, to show Him by my presence, to show Him by the way that I sing these songs, to show Him and just pour myself out to Him. God, I'm offering to You acceptable service. Worship is one way we can do that. But I really prefer how the New American Standard uses this word service because that opens things up a whole lot more. That encompasses so much more than just what we do inside these four walls. That my gratitude, for example, my gratitude for God's grace, that compels me to go out and to be evangelistic and to talk to others about Jesus. My gratitude for Christ's sacrifice, not only does that compel me to observe the Lord's Supper and to think about what He did, but furthermore, it compels me to be a servant to others the way that Jesus was a servant to me. My gratitude for the Lord's forgiveness, that compels me to extend forgiveness to those who do me wrong. Level three gratitude is taking all of this emotion that's welling up inside and I'm now going to turn that outward in heartfelt service to the Lord. Think about this. Think about this with your kids. When when kids are young, when they're really little, we just start by just trying to teach them to just be thankful. You know, if we can just get them to say, thank you for this food, well, okay, that's level one. That, that's, that's a milestone. But pretty soon as they kind of grow and as they develop in their, in their physical life and as they grow and start to understand things better mentally, we want them to start to put some teeth on that gratitude. 
We want them, okay, not only are you thankful for the food, but maybe can we beef that up a little bit and maybe we can say, Mom, thank you for making that food. Thank you for preparing that. Thank you for doing what you did. Thank you for who you are in making this meal available to us. That's, that's that level two gratitude stuff. But then level three would be what? We understand this with our kids. What would level three be? Level three would be when your kid comes to you and says, Mom, thank you for this food. It was delicious and it was wonderful. Now you go take a seat because I'll clear the table and I'll wash the dishes. I want to show some appreciation. I want to return some kindness to you. That, that's what we're going for. That is what overflowing gratitude ought to push us to do in our relationship to the Heavenly Father. Do not say, oh, I'm, I'm abounding in thanksgiving if you have no intention of returning this evening at 6 o'clock. Don't say, oh, I'm abounding in thanksgiving if you're not willing to sacrifice some things for the sake of the kingdom. Don't say, oh, I'm abounding in thanksgiving if your Christianity is two-faced and hypocritical. People who are abounding in thanksgiving, they show it. They show it by offering to God acceptable service in reverence and in awe. Ask yourself right now, where am I on that scale? And if I'm not where ideally I need to be, which would be level three, then what can I do to start moving upwards to where the glass is overflowing as God wants it to be? Now, as I turn back to Colossians chapter 2 one final time, I can actually show you in that passage, I can show you some level three gratitude right there in verse 12. Verse 12 is the person who is so grateful to the Lord for what the Lord did, for the sacrifice that He made, for the significance of that and what that means, that they make the decision to show their appreciation by being buried with Him in baptism and being raised up with Him in the powerful working of God to live a new life. If you are thankful to God this morning, but you have not yet done that verse 12 thing, if you have not yet been baptized into Christ, then you need to know that your glass is not full. And God has a whole lot more that He wants to put into you. And so in just a moment, you're going to have the opportunity. The invitation will be extended to you where you can give God your acceptable service by rendering your obedience to the Gospel. For the rest of us, if maybe we have been baptized into Christ, then where's our verse? Well, our verse will be verse 6 of that passage. Our verse, for those of us who have received Christ Jesus as Lord, verse 6 says that we've got to walk in Him. And so, brother or sister in Christ, if you are failing in that, if you're failing to walk in Jesus, if you're failing to personify the qualities and the characteristics of Christ in, in the choices that you make, in the words that you say, the actions that you're involved in, the places that you go, the people that you hang around, then it's time to get all that turned around. It is time to repent And it's time to recommit yourself to faithful, acceptable service to the Lord once more. You are ready this morning to show your gratitude and appreciation to God for all that He has done for you. And you just need some help in getting off go. Then this is your moment and this is your time. Would you take advantage of this opportunity right now while we stand and while we sing?